Just outside of Hoodsport is the beautiful Sund Rock Beach Resort. I'm with Cindy Sund. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me out here. Of course. This is a beautiful place. It is. It's been in your family for, well, longer than Washington has been a state, right? That's correct. About 11 months prior to statehood, Washington State. How did the family get here? My family originated in Norway and just coming for a find a better way of life. My great-grandfather was a merchant mariner and was, story goes, he was offloading a ship and or having a ship offloaded in uh, San Francisco. Rented a little schooner and decided to explore a little bit. Came up the coast and found his way into this narrow little inlet and reminded him of the fjords of Norway. Came along this shoreline and heard a little water running and went ashore and found an old abandoned uh, Trapper's cabin probably at the wow. time. And found the county seat in Seattle at the time and staked a claim. And they built Sun's Resort on that property and, and uh, homesteaded about two government sections here. This is amazing. And it's interesting that you mention Norway and the Norwegian tie-ins here as we are on a fjord Correct. that a lot of folks may not be familiar with the fact that the Hood Canal really is a fjord and mm -hmm. you've checked on that too, right? <laughs> yeah. you've... Back in the day before the internet, I was hell-bent that it was really a fjord and not a canal. If you look up the definition of canal, it, it just doesn't fit. Right. So back in the day before the internet, I, I wrote a, a, a letter to National Geographic, which at the time I thought was a pretty good resource. And they wrote back immediately, indeed, Hood Canal is a fjord. It's one of the only two in the lower United States. They talked about the depth and how long it was, 63 miles long. And then they proceeded to ask me if they could use that question in their new series in National Geographic called Ask Us. Uh -huh. And somewhere, I don't know, late 90s, mid 90s, there's a little inset with the little diagram of Hood Canal. Is Hood Canal really a fjord? And um, anyway, so that was my proof I'd carry around for a That's while and great. show people. What a great story. I mean, as we're sitting here, just out looking over the water, it's, you know, a beautiful sight. And as you mentioned, you've had campers here over the years. And now as you see behind us, the glamping cabin is, is up. And talk to me about how this kind of came about. Well, um, I, I just feel a real responsibility to be a steward of this property. Obviously the homestead is not two government sections anymore. It's gotten smaller in, in terms of land acreage, but uh, it this is still part of the original homestead and there's family homes on it that have been here since the beginning. I personally live in a little cabin just over the bump there, built in the 20s. It was the first structure on the property. And my parents built their retirement home here and subsequently cousins have built their houses down on that property. And my parents wish uh, when they, their wish is that this property remain in the family for as long as possible. So when they moved into assisted living and um, I am their trustee, so it was sort of my responsibility to sort of make sure that that happened. Mm -hmm. So I started this business, divers, glamping, trying to make the property help subsidize property taxes, uh, keep it going, gr the grounds, and all the expenses that go along with owning a piece of property. And then if need be, uh, kind of help with my parents' assisted living. So 
it's working out really well so far. I mean, it is a beautiful piece of property. I love being able to maintain it for family as well as we've really developed a kind of clientele that comes to the glamping and comes to the diving that respect the property. They're, they don't hunt and spearfish anymore. It's all an underwater preserve. So there's organisms down there that are unique and special. GPOs, giant Pacific octopus are, is a big draw. The wolfville population is coming back. The ling cod, the rock cod. We have some um, archaic, you know, they call them glass sponges deep down there. So uh, it's really a diverse area. And uh, I just feel honored to be able to be a steward and, and, and keep it going. And I have a nephew that moved up here to help me. And now he and his wife and their six-year-old are living here. And they're raising her with you know, on the property. Being out here, it's yeah, gotta just it's be awesome. amazing. And cousins are chipping in and helping, and my brother comes up in the summertime. So it truly is a family operation to keep the family property going and hopefully for future generations, as long as we can. This is on Airbnb, and we'll put the links to the website and to the Airbnb on here too, but how often does this get rented out? And what, like, what are some of the, if you're in the glamping category, what, what do you have to provide to the folks? Well, I think this, the range for glamping, I read the descriptions carefully because some, <laughs> I used to provide a lot more than I do now. But when COVID hit, I, I kind of had to dial it back sure. just to be safe. So I provide a queen size bed. It has a cover sheet on it that's, that's uh, sanitized and whatnot. I provide water from our family well that's, that's fresh every time a glamper comes. I have a little tea kettle to heat water. Um, I have a barbecue. We have a propane gas uh, fire pit. Uh -huh. We used to do a live fire, but with the fires sure. and risk and stuff, it just seemed to make sense. I have a private privy for the glampers, so they have their own on-demand shower behind. Maybe we'll take some pictures yeah. of that later. And we have a um, composting system toilet back there. We call it a privy. It's really sweet, and it's, you know, I didn't... I, I was trying to reduce my footprint on the land, and to me, the porta potties, the blue juice, it has to be dumped somewhere. Sure. So I'm trying to take care of it and compost it. And that's not for everybody, but uh, the people, like I said, the demographic that I get, they appreciate that, that aspect that we're trying to be green. We recycle, have a recycle area for them, and then trash, and then uh, the privy. So uh, we have a little place where you can eat that's covered up there. We have a refrigerator. It's totally wired inside. There's lights that you can turn on. There's a little electric ports by each bed that where you can plug your phone in, phone chargers. So we're we're kind of yeah, kind of modern, but sure. kind of you know you're in a tent. So just minutes from Hoodsport, you can go to the IGA in there and Correct. stock up as well. There's some great places to visit and eat, and when you're here exploring, uh, what's the season like for uh, the glamping? Well, that was kind of an experiment, you know, what, what would, what, when would people want to glamp? So we've kind of, this is our fourth year, we open it about mid-May, depending on what the weather's doing, and then we close it mid to late September. We take it all down yeah. and stow it away. I, I tried leaving it up one year, and uh, every time the wind had come or the snow or the rain, I was just like panicking, oh, I wonder if the tent's still up. Sure. I wonder if the tent. So it just made sense to take it down. We hang it in the uh, pole building down there and keep it dry and... Uh, take the fire pit, take everything in, so it's basically just the wooden platform. 
And you were telling me that the, the diver and the diving operation, that can go year round because of the different conditions that show up in the different seasons. Absolutely, the diving, the diving aspect is actually, we're busier in the winter than we are in the summer. Um, the water, when the temperature of the water drops, you get less plankton bloom, so your visibility is better. And so, like November, oftentimes is our busiest month. It's unbelievable. So it's really a great complement because we're busier with the glamping in the summer, mostly weekends, but we are open midweek. Um, but the diving is year-round. And folks can reserve and rent this out, so it's a kind of a private for them, or mm -hmm. groups can come down here, things like that? Right. We've started to have a lot of demand for a dive shop, like say in Seattle, or, or a dive company that does tours, where they will ask to rent the whole dive site for a day privately so they can bring their group or their VIPs or their students or whatever they happen to be doing. Some people do it a shop drive for their employees. So we, we will have a, pri you have a private opportunity to rent that for the day. Um, and we have a lot of takers on that. They, they can rent it, they just, you know, can email me or they can go on the website and email me through there, sundrock.com. And, or uh, you can also make an individual reservation, go under the reservations tab and you pick your day and your time and you prepay. And that came about because of COVID too. We were trying to keep the gathering, you know, registration and all that to kind of stagger it. Uh -huh. And it's worked out so well. The divers appreciate it because they know, they know they have a time slot. They know they have a parking spot. They know they can plan their day rather than, oh, they get here and there's too many cars, too many divers, and they don't want to deal with right. it. So it's really worked out well, and we're going to hang on to that reservation system. Where's the furthest that anyone has come from to dive and the furthest that anyone has come to stay here? The furthest for the glampers, I've had them from New York last summer. I had wow. some folks come from New York, and they, uh, you know, they read the description. They needed to bring their own bedding, et cetera. And, they emailed me and said, hey, we're flying in, do you think? And, and so I provided the sheets and the blankets, you know, I'm and the sure. dishes, you know, I, I went ahead and provided it for, for them and that was great. The diving, uh, I don't really know. We get an awful lot from Oregon, we get an awful lot from the Seattle area, but I've also had some from uh, the Midwest and I was talking to some the other days like, where do you dive in the Midwest? Yeah. You know, like, you know, all lakes and this and that and the other. But they were telling me that of all the dive places that they went, you know, we were offering amenities that they'd never seen before. So they were, they were pretty impressed. Is it true that if the, the skill needed to dive here in the Puget Sound kind of gives you a leg up elsewhere around the world. I've heard that over the years. Yeah, I think you're right there that we don't have, uh, we don't have, we, we have tidal in and out, but we don't have the rushing tide. We don't have the crashing waves. We don't have the dangerous currents. So in that aspect, Hood Canal is a pretty benign, pretty safe area to dive. And I think that is definitely a draw, particularly for classes. Sure. We'll get a regular uh, group from like Salem Scuba with their classes doing their open water. And I think it's because of that reason. There's interesting, cool stuff to see without the risk. Yeah. Cindy Sund here showing me around the property. You can find out more, sunrock.com. We'll again put the links here. It's a whole experience, whether you want to go in and stay the night in the, in the glamping tent or you want to head out onto the water for some diving. It is all available here on just a beautiful 
piece of property. Thank you for having Thank me you, out Jeff. here. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for being here.